0: We're so thankful that you are here with us both this weekend and for this session. And uh, basically what we want to just talk to you a little bit about is how small talk can have a big impact, especially when we talk about God's kingdom, ministry implications and all of that. So thank you for choosing here to be here with us. Uh, mm-hmm. Our hope is that we'll have some time at the end for Q&A. So if there's something that you hear, if you think of a question while we're going through everything, feel free to jot it down. But we wanted to get started here on time. We have a lot that we want to cover and uh, we're excited that you are here with us. So just to kind of set the stage, help us adjust our minds, I want you to think back to, for some of you, this was a few months ago, for some of you, a few years ago. But think back to your freshman year, right? You meet your, your, freshman, uh, your freshman year, your, your dorm, your, your roommate, or your neighbor for the first time. What, what are you going to say? right? Does, does that excite you, or is that like really scary? For me, that was really scary. Uh, does the idea of coming to even a conference like this one, so many new people, does that excite you, or, or maybe it's like, oh, that's that's scary, like that makes me that makes me nauseous, like that's that's a <laughs> lot of people, or, or maybe you're, you're kind of on the other end of the spectrum and you just think like, man, small talk is just is just really dumb, like why can't we just get to the stuff that really matters? I want to like talk theology or like, I don't know, just stuff that has more substance or. Maybe you're the person who you often find yourself going a little bit too fast in a conversation and then you end up backtracking like, oh, that was, that was a little bit too soon to ask that question. That was a little too deep, too fast. If you can relate to any of that, you're in the right spot. Or if you just want to learn more about what small talk really is and how to use it, you are also in the right spot. Because I, I think it's easy to dismiss small talk as, as idle chit-chat or maybe it's just, it's just pointless. It's It's superficial right? Maybe you, you claim to only be interested in the real conversation. And, and I am too interested in that, but you can't just jump right to that. How, how do you get to the point of having a deeper conversation with someone? Or, or how do you handle the, the everyday conversations with, with acquaintances, with people you've met this weekend, with, with strangers that you know nothing about? How do you get to the point where you can talk about your faith with someone that you don't know? great questions. We hope to give you at least a few helpful tips here this afternoon because I think that it does take some skill and it also takes some patience, but honestly, it's really not that hard. I would say the most important thing is that you're willing to try. And so the fact that you are here this afternoon, I think that's a great great way to start and shows that you're willing to at least learn and hopefully also try. Um, maybe you can think about it this way. So my, my wife and I recently had a little boy and got him this, this little piggy bank. All right? Uh, don't worry, I'm not passing this around for offering or anything like that. Um, I got him, this him, so he can, you know, start some, some savings. Relationships are the, the currency of relationships, I would say, is trust. And so think about it this way. Each little small talk conversation you have, each, each question you ask, each time that you interact with someone, that's like putting pennies in a piggy bank. Eventually, you make more deposits over time, days, weeks, months, years in some cases. And eventually, you've built up enough, enough trust with someone that there, there is a subni- significant amount of capital in that relationship. You've had enough small talk that then you can get to, to the big talk, that you can kind of cash in on what you've invested in order to ask the deeper questions. But where do you start, right? You don't start day one with a full piggy bank. Pennies, nickels, dimes. Chances are all of you now are at a point relationally with maybe it's your roommate or, or classmates, teammates, etc. That you, you call them your friends, your best friends, you know, at home or in college. And, and at some point, if you go back far enough, you knew nothing about them. You didn't know where they were from. You didn't know what they liked, etc. My guess is that whether it was, it was natural for you or it was hard work, you had small talk conversations with them, got to know more about them, progressed relationally. Strangers become acquaintances, friends best friends. And so what I want us to do is to think about small talk as the portal, if you will, through which you you meet every new person in life. And I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but if you'd like to take notes, it's on page 29 in your handout, but you you never really know who you're going to encounter in everyday life. I mean, heck, you might become really good friends with someone you just met this weekend, someone that you had your first class with this semester. Uh, You never know who you're going to interact with at at a coffee shop, a a wedding. The examples go on, and I'm sure you guys can think of multiple scenarios where you're meeting new people all the time. You simply never know when someone that you meet could change your life or something that you have to say, a relationship that you can build, could change theirs, especially when we're thinking about ministry, building the kingdom of God. And so our, our goal today during this session is to help you see that there is tremendous relational um, opportunity hidden within even the smallest conversations, and we want to give you some of the tools, then also to capitalize on those opportunities. And so you notice there on your passage, or, uh, sorry, on your handout, there's space for some passages. And so we're going to be throwing out some scripture for you guys. If there's any that you feel like connects or makes sense to you, feel free to write those down. One that I have found tremendously helpful for myself is Philippians two. Verses three and four. So Philippians two, three and four says this Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I think Paul, the the writer of this book, Philippians, would say that there, there are many opportunities in everyday life through even the smallest conversations. To, to value others' interests as more important than our own, to love people in our conversations, choosing to value what, what they are interested in more than ours. And, and even if you don't like small talk, even if loving people for you isn't as easy as it is maybe for, for others, I think we can choose to obey the Lord and love people, as we are called to love our neighbor, by, by engaging with them in conversation. Showing an interest in, in what people care about and talking to them communicates that you care. Uh, and, and like I said, it's, it's what builds the trust, that currency and relationships in the piggy bank. I'll give you a, a brief example. So uh, many of you uh, know Mark Fodale. He taught uh, just last night. And uh, Mark was my staff worker in college. I went to East Stroudsburg. Any ESU people in here? I live in East Stroudsburg. There we go, yeah. all right, close <laughs> enough. Um, we, uh, so Mark got to know me over the course of, of a few years, and it, he, was, he was very patient. I'll put it that way. But basically what he did was every week I went to Bible study, and at the end of the Bible study, he would just ask me one question because I was trying to get out of there because I was still living the party lifestyle. But he would ask me one question, and then he, he just always remembered, like, what I said. And that struck me as so odd. You know, <laughs> why would this older guy who's leading this Bible study, care about me. And so over time, that built trust in our relationship. And I remember it was a couple years later, my sophomore year, I was going through a rough patch. And because he had showed that he cared previously enough to ask small questions, I was willing to listen to what he said about bigger topics. And I can still remember that, camp, that campfire conversation we had at Focus my sophomore year when he started asking me some of those why questions, like, well, why do you feel that way? Why do you think that way? And if he had not built the the relational currency trust with me before, I don't think I would have been interested in hearing what he had to say. Mark invested in our relationship, and that has given me a vision for investing in other relationships in a similar way. Even if sometimes it feels like I'm not getting anywhere because we're talking about what might feel pointless, it shows that you care. But but let's face it, right? Like Mark is a he's a seasoned professional. He's he's been doing this for a few years. And you and I, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, but like I, I just don't know what I'm doing. Where do I even start? Well, my good friend Maddie is going to help us out with that.
1: Great, thanks, Keith. So Keith, he just walked us through a vision um, for small talk and why there's a bigger vision and purpose for small talk and that it's an important tool for caring for people. Um, so next we're gonna walk through some biblical principles that are gonna help shape the way that we think and engage in small talk. Um, so we're gonna have four principles and they're gonna be a surprise. So I'm gonna walk you through them one by one. But the first one is love your neighbor. And you can put this under the principles part on your packet. Love your neighbor. This is actually going to be the guiding principle of the other three that we're gonna talk about. And it's a big one. Jesus. He gives us this guiding principle many times throughout scripture, but particularly in Mark 12, 30 to 31, you can put that in the passage section um, when he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus, he teaches that first we're called to love God, And then our love for God should lead to love for our neighbor and loving people as ourselves. And friends, we need this principle when it comes to small talk. Because in the moments when talking to someone you don't know very well feels stressful or scary or anxiety producing, we need to remember that we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, think about it, how do you wanna be treated in situations where you don't know someone very well? Do you want that person to ignore you, hide behind their phone, pretend like you aren't there? Or do you wanna be talking to someone and for them to just talk about themselves the whole time and not ask you a single question about yourself? I hope that you would all answer no to that question Um, because we all want to be known. We all want people to initiate with us. So a part of loving others is being the one to initiate small talk with others. And Jesus, he doesn't ask us to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. Throughout the scriptures, we see Jesus take the initiative with people. He pursues people, even as we've been talking in Jonah, God pursues people. Um, And so we can take the initiative and pursue people by talking to them, by asking them questions. Um, But I wanna acknowledge taking the initiative is hard. Sometimes being the one to go first, it can feel scary, it can feel weird, it can feel awkward. Um, We don't necessarily know what that person is thinking or feeling, um, but how would you feel if someone takes the initiative with you? Do you feel cared for when people take the first step in asking you, hey, how are you doing today? Um, Think about how you feel when people have taken the initiative with you. I want to also recognize that in our culture, small talk just seems like a weird thing. Like, it seems weird to talk to the person next to you at Starbucks. And I know, because I like talking to people next to me at Starbucks, and people (laughs) look at me like I'm weird. Um, But, you know, why would you try, people in our culture ask, like, why would you try to get to know the person next to you? Um, What if this person has nothing to offer you? What is the point? Like, why would you try to talk to this person, build a relationship with them, if they might not offer you anything, if you might not be friends with them, after this conversation, and this is when we need this principle, and it's because we're called to love others as ourselves. That's why we engage in small talk. So love your neighbor as yourself. Take the initiative and talk to them. That's our first principle. Our second principle, view yourself as a host in the conversation. View yourself as a host. To understand this principle, Let's think about the difference between a host and a guest. So if you think about a host or a guest, a guest wants to be welcomed. A host does the welcoming. A guest comes to be served. A host is there to serve. A guest wants to be known, but a host is the one who gets to know the guest. Do you see the difference between a guest and a host? Now, I'm gonna make an assumption. We all wanna be the guest. (laughs) I wanna be the guest. I want people to ask me about me. I don't, I wanna be served. I don't want to have to say much. I want people to ask me questions. Um, We often wait until the other person asks us questions about ourselves. Um, Friends, the reality is, is we cannot all be the guests in a conversation. Can you imagine if we were here at fall conference and we were all here and everybody just thought, I'm going to wait for somebody else to ask me a question. Nobody would be talking. Someone has to be the host and initiate talking and that someone can be you. You can be the person who takes the initiative and hosts in the conversation. So let's talk a little bit more. Small talk, it's an opportunity to be a host in a conversation and to show hospitality to others just by doing small talk. We see Jesus, he does this all throughout scriptures. There are countless times where Jesus didn't wait for someone to interact with him. Um, he even invited himself over to people's houses for dinner. Most people don't do that, but Jesus did that. And Jesus had this to say in Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he shows us what it means to be a host to people in conversations. As a note, you don't have to be the life of the party or outgoing to be the host in a conversation. You know, when you think about someone who's the life of the party, often they're trying to impress others and the focus is really on themselves. But a host focuses on how to best care for others. And this is something that even me, as a talkative person, I need to hear. You know, in school, I was always the person who got in trouble from my teachers because I was always the person talking to the (laughs) person next to me. Um, But before I came to know Jesus, talking to people was always about me. Like, I don't have a problem talking to people, but I have a problem making it about me. Um, But one of the things that struck me about Jesus when I was a college freshman was that his love for people always led to him pursuing people, to him being the one to initiate and ask questions. And he served people in conversations. And so we can do that. You know, thinking about small talk and being a host is a better vision for engaging with people. So what might it look like to be a host in a conversation? Well, I'm gonna suggest two things. Being a host looks like initiating and welcoming, and it looks like making others feel comfortable. Um, So initiating and welcoming. It looks like being the first to introduce yourself to someone. You know, when you're sitting down next to someone today at dinner that you don't know, being the first to be like, hey, what's your name? Like, and then them sharing their name and you say, hey, this is my name. I'm from this school. It looks like asking about that person, making them feel welcomed. Um, And then secondly, making others feel comfortable. You know, we all want to feel comfortable in a conversation. And you can be that person who images Jesus by making other people feel comfortable, uh, by taking an interest in them, as Keith shared, and by sharing a little bit about yourself. So be a host. Seek to serve others by initiating with them and serving them rather than waiting to be served. And so now it's for our third principle. Consider the interests of others. Consider the interests of others. Keith already talked a little bit about this. Um, And he referenced Philippians two, three to four, and it's on your outline, the top of your packet, but I'm gonna read it again for us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. We're called to consider others' interests above our own. And this means that an aspect of small talk is taking an interest in people and in their interests. It means getting to know people and doing the hard work of knowing people. It means asking questions about people and their interests and it means focusing the conversation on that person and not on ourselves. And you know, I wanna acknowledge taking an interest of in people is hard work. It is hard work and sometimes it's just plain hard because people don't like to share information sometimes. Um, and, You know, we have to acknowledge that we want people to take an interest in our interests. We want others to ask us about ourselves. And it's easy to get in our own way in conversations. Um, I know for me, when I'm in the middle of a conversation, some of these things go through my head. And maybe they might go through your head. Um, You know, I often think, what does this person think about me? Do I sound dumb? Am I being awkward? Um, Why is this person being so weird? (laughs) Or my biggest one, I often wonder if this person's being weird because I'm being awkward or if it's just because they're being weird. (laughs) Um, But the thing about putting others' people interests above our own is that it actually helps us to get out of the way of our own heads. Um, Have you ever had a situation where you were focused so much on caring for another person and their needs that you just forgot about yourself? That's the heart of small talk when it's focused on someone else's interests, that when you focus on caring for another person, their interests, it's easy to get out of the way. And then you don't sit there thinking, do I sound stupid? Because you're not worried about it. Um, Friends, even the most introverted, introverted person likes talking about themselves when they know that someone really cares about them and wants to know them. So even if you're having a small talk conversation and the conversation feels awkward or weird or you feel really stupid, if you focus on caring for the other person and their interests, I guarantee you, it will lead to a fruitful conversation. Um, So this leads then to our last principle. So number four, small talk leads to deeper relationships. God created us for real, deep, and meaningful relationships, first with him, and then with others. We were created for it. We're made to have deep and meaningful relationships. But often, I think if we're honest, those relationships feel really hard to find. It's easy to think that, you know, like as Keith shared, it's easy to be like, oh, I just wanna get to the deep stuff right away and not have to worry about all these little things. Who cares what your math test was like? Um, And we think that small talk is just a waste of time. Like, I don't care about that stuff. I wanna talk about this stuff. But small talk, as Keith shared, is the on-ramp to those more deep and meaningful relationships. You know, think about every important and significant relationship in your life. I would take a large guess that all of those began with small talk. Every relationship in your life, except for your mom and your dad, because you're not small talking in the womb, um, you know, started with small talk. So even now, you know, even now for my husband and I, my husband and I bought a house at the beginning of the pandemic. I don't recommend that. Um, but we moved in the day that Pennsylvania was shut down. Um, and so we've just been slowly trying to get to know our neighbors in the middle of a pandemic, and it's hard. Um, and we really want to have good relationships with them. That's the goal. We want good relationships with our neighbors, and we want to know them and not just live next door to them and pretend like they don't exist. Um, But, you know, every time we see them, we try to ask them questions. We try to say, hey, how's your day going? How's that work project? But those questions, it all started with just saying, hey, we're the Wenger's. We bought this house right next door to you. What's your name? And you know, now we can ask them, you know, do you want to come over and help me move my shed because my basement is flooding? (laughs) And so, like, it started with asking them about them and getting to know them. And now we have a deeper relationship where we can ask them to come and help us when our basement floods, which, true story, it does flood. Um, And then they can come and ask us, hey, can you help me, like, take care of this thing in my yard or for this other neighbor? Um, Friends, every deep and meaningful relationship starts with small talk. Um, So, there you have it. These are the four principles from the Bible. There's more, but these are the big four that are going to help guide and shape how we think about small talk. And so now Keith is going to begin. We're going to walk through some practicals.
0: Yes. All right. Thanks, Maddie. Practicals. Hands on. Just some tools that you guys can put in your tool belt so that when you're, uh, when you're on the job, so to speak, when you're in everyday life, you have resources that you can equip yourself with. All right. The first one I want to talk about, and we have a few here, again, not all-encompassing, but a few that will hopefully at least give you the first, first few steps, um, is how to, to form a good question. And so to, uh, an acronym is literally FORM, F-O-R-M, how to form a good question, because most conversations start with some form of a question, or at least you get to a point of the conversation where it's like, well, if we want this to continue, I need to ask a question, right? <clears throat> so F-O-R-M, what does F stand for? Family. You can learn a lot about someone by asking about their family. And I've, I've done this with others, and I've had others do this with me. I remember one of the most, um, what's, what's the word, uh, revealing questions maybe was asked of me. It was just like, what, what is my dad like? Because then that started a series of revelations for me of like how I'm like my dad. And it both helped the, the person who was asking the question learn more about me because I am like my dad. But maybe for you, it's like, what, what's your, what are your siblings like? Um, you, know, you can learn about, about culture, traditions, and, and what they value, where they're from. And again, this is a, a great opportunity. Like, if you take an interest in someone's family, something that they care about deeply and are connected to, that, that can go a long way with building relationships and trust with that person. You know, being able to, to ask a question one week that's, that brings up the fact that their grandpa's not doing so well. If you can then ask about that again, like a week or so later, when you see them again, they're like, wait a minute, you actually rem- remembered that? Most people, when they ask you, like, hey, how are you doing? What do they want to hear? Good. They don't actually care, like, how you're doing. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a greeting, right? But what if someone came up to you and said, like, hey, how are you doing? And then they actually stand there and listen and wait for your response. It's like, okay, like, they're, they're listening. They care. They care. One of the things you can ask about is family. So that's the F. The O, occupation. Maybe in, in our context, a, a better word is, is major, but you guys are working towards <laughs> an occupation. And my guess is that you didn't just like, pick a, a major out of a hat one day and be like, all right, here we go, right? Like there's, there's reasoning, there's logic, there's passion behind why you picked that major, why you, you chose to pursue that occupation. And so I, I, my guess is that I could learn a lot about you if I asked you, like, hey, what's, what's your major? Like, what made you pick that, right? Maybe uh, in, a, in another context, just like, what, what, what's your favorite class? Like, what do you like about that? What don't you like? Goals, aspirations, etc." Again, at, at the core of that, it's showing that you care about that person, who they are, what they are passionate about, and even learning more about how does how the Lord knit them together? Like what would make them a good physical therapist? Or what would make them good in the financial field, the business field, etc. <laughs> so family, occupation, the R, recreation. What do you like to do for fun? Like, I don't know about you guys, but you know... If you all you do is talk about school and stuff all day, then at a certain point, like, that just kind of gets boring, to, at least for me. I don't know. Some people love school. I don't like school. <laughs> but recreation, it's like, man, what do you like to do for fun, right? Like, maybe uh, if, if someone enjoys working out, like, yo, we should go to the gym sometime. Or maybe they enjoy running. Or maybe they just like to, to read a good book. Or you enjoy the same TV show. You can connect with the people in, in a different way And show that you care about them by by asking what what do they like to do recreationally, what they like to do for fun. And oftentimes you can find something that you connect over and can actually participate in together. And that is an awesome way to continue to build that relationship. Again, a, a small talk question, just even like, hey, what do you like to do for fun, can lead to like, hey, let's go for a hike, something like that. Again, showing that you care and love that person, as Maddie mentioned. The M, motivation. So we have family, occupation, recreation, motivation. And this one makes people think a little bit more, which is why I like to ask some of these questions. But hey, like, this is random, but five years from now, just tell me, like, where do you see yourself? What, what, what again, sort of related to, to occupation, but what, what made you pick that major? Like, where, what kind of job do you want to get someday? Even just like, hey, what are you looking forward to? Like, this past year has been rough. Like, what, what keeps you going? What are you looking forward to? I think having an understanding of what, of what drives people can be, be really helpful and for us getting to know them or even them getting to know themselves better. I, I remember a friend of mine was saying that he, he was meeting with someone who has been participating in, in the foster, um, foster care system for a number of years. And he asked him, he's like, why do you do it? Like, that's not easy. And the guy couldn't answer the question. He said, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So for him, it was actually helpful for him to, to be asked that question, to, to even do some, some soul searching. I don't know if he was a believer or not, but of, you know, why are you giving so much of yourself and your time? And that could be a, a, an easy tie into the gospel of, like, why are you caring for other people so much? That's a picture of love. And it shows that you care about that person as well. So, there's a, a quick practical for you just how do you form a good question? And uh, Maddie's got a couple thoughts. Yeah. As
1: well. So, Keith gave us a great question beginning form, but I'm going to give you the master class of question asking. All right. <laughs> but, a master class ask open ended questions. Um, so, here's some examples of open ended questions. These are my favorites. Mm. So your friend just tells you, I just loved Black Widow or I just loved that Marvel movie. You could ask, hey, tell me more about Black Widow or that Marvel movie. So tell me more about dot, dot, dot. Let's say someone shares with you about their family vacation or something. You could say, hey, what was the best part of your family vacation, the best part of dot, dot, dot. Um, Some other questions, how do you feel about that thing? Why do you do that? Um, So as Keith already acknowledged, you know, when we think about question asking, sometimes if you're asking a friend, hey, how was Fall Conference? And I'm like, good. How was your weekend? Fine. Nobody likes that. (laughs) (laughs) I dislike that when people just tell me good or fine. Um, They're conversation killers. But when you ask an open-ended question, people are kind of forced to answer more than just the good or fine. You know, if you're like, hey, tell me more about that Marvel movie, they can't say, fine. That would be weird. Um, So that's your second one. Ask an open-ended question. But another practical is look for connections. And you know, you probably already do this without realizing it. Um, When you're asking questions, look for connections. And what do I mean by connections? Well, have you ever had a conversation with someone and you're talking and you realize, this person loves a lot of the same things that I love. You know, when I was a college soft freshman, when people would do that, you'd be like, this is my new BFF. They love everything I love. Those are connections, things that you have in common with someone. You know, if you both really enjoy football, if you both really enjoy video games, board games, the same Korean pop band. Um, I've had whole conversations with people about their favorite Korean pop band. Um, Look for those connection points, because those things make it easier for you to have a conversation with someone the next day. You know, even in my own life, I have a cousin that I love dearly. This cousin is, uh, I think, like five or six years older than me. He's a male. I love my male cousin. I don't have a lot in common with my male cousin. Um, But I realized a few years ago, in a moment of time where I was like, I don't know what to talk about with my cousin at family events. And I see him several times a year. And I realized this cousin loves Marvel and DC movies and TV shows. He doesn't discriminate between Marvel and DC. (laughs) Loves them all. And you know what? I really like Marvel and DC too. I don't have a favorite. Um, So do you know what I talk about with my cousin at every single family event? You can ask my husband. I will intentionally watch the newest Marvel or DC TV show to talk with my cousin about it. And you know why? Because I love my cousin. And I want to have a relationship with him. But the cool thing is, is like, we might start talking about Black Widow or Eternals coming out. But then that conversation will lead to talking about other things. Um, So look for connections and commonalities. But a secret of this, too, is you can have a connection with someone and not have anything in common with them. You know, say you're talking to someone and you realize, hey, this person really likes Marvel or DC. I do not like superheroes but that friend of mine really likes Marvel and DC, let me introduce them to this person. Or you can even be like, you know, my friend really likes Marvel and DC and this is what he or she says about it. That's a connection, even if you don't like that thing. Um, So connections, look for connections because they serve people beyond that conversation. And it makes it easier to talk to them again when you see them. Um, The last practical that I'm gonna share is share about yourself. You know, I know we just told you Focus on the other person, but it's okay to share about yourself too. Um, for some of you, you might feel anxious to share about yourself, but sometimes when we share about ourselves or our own life, it helps other people feel comfortable to share about themselves too. Um, but some words of advice when sharing about yourself, don't interrupt people mm. in the middle of a conversation to share about you. Um, and also just like you don't want other people to give one word answers, or I hope you're, you don't, you're not just okay with people telling you good and fine. Um, refrain from sharing one word answers with others. If someone's like, hey, how was your weekend? Think about what can I share with them that's more than good or fine? Um, so Keith's gonna share with us another practical.
0: Yeah, so what I wanna talk about here real quick is more of a, a self-awareness issue. And I, I really appreciate it when someone had pointed this out to me a, a number of years ago. Um, I'm someone who, how do I put it? Um, By default, does not come across as friendly. (laughs) I have one of those faces that's like, I don't know, it scares people away. And maybe it's just the the way that I come off sometimes, but um, we we, we joke sometimes with the worship team, and it's like, guys, we gotta smile more. Like, we just gotta look friendly, you know? (laughs) And that for me, it, it sounds silly, but smiling, I'm not Buddy the Elf, smiling is not my favorite. (laughs) <laughs> but I've gotten some practice. I've gotten a little better at it. I've learned that, that something as simple as smiling can make a huge difference between someone feeling put off or, or, or even, you know, some, uh, awkward around me and feeling welcome. Going back to what Maddie was saying about the difference between a host and a guest. If I'm a guest, I don't care what that person thinks about how I look. Like, I'm there to, to be served, right? Now, if I'm a host... I think you would all agree that you are much more likely to, to be attracted to or, or um, warm towards you know, someone that's serving food at a restaurant if they're smiling and friendly than if they act like someone just killed their cat, <laughs> right? I'm sure we've all been in those situations where it's like, this person hates their job. Something as simple as smile can really take the tension out of... Uh, so, real-world situation this weekend... How different does the elevator feel when someone's smiling and willing to engage as opposed to, you know, face down on their phone acting like, oh my gosh, when do we get to floor 10? Like, just (laughs) get me out of here, right? A simple smile can really disengage and take the tension out. Uh, And again, uh, body language, just more of a self-awareness thing. I try to be an active listener, show people that I'm listening. This has become even more important now with the mask thing, right? Because, so smiling is a lot harder. You can still smile with your eyes, right? <laughs> I, I just, still don't really understand how that works. But <laughs> nodding, like nodding, active listening, like, yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. I know what that means. Or um, like, oh man, that's, that's rough, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I think even, even more so, you have to kind of project the fact that you're listening now with masks, uh, Lord willing, that won't be a thing forever. But it can really just show, again, that you're, you're paying attention and that you care. I think eyes are a big thing. And I think that it, it's, it's often helpful, again, with self-awareness of, of being aware of how other people see you. So if I'm having a conversation with Tyler here in, in the front row, right? Right? but i'm looking at everything but him then i'm not necessarily as engaged with him as if like i ask tyler a question and i stand here and watch him until he answers i have found that that can be really helpful in just showing like hey as long as i'm talking to you it's kind of like that wherever you are be all there sort of thing mm-hmm. like if i'm talking to you i want to look at you and i want to pay attention to you and i think that again that shows like i'm engaged I'm listening, and we communicate a lot with our eyes. Again, probably even more so now with the mask, because that's one of the few things that we can see, but as much as it is uh, helpful to think about how my my eyes communicate with other people, I think you can also tell a lot about another person with their eyes. I can tell a lot of you right now are tired. (laughs) Why? Your eyes are shut. That doesn't take a, uh, a master's degree to figure that one out. <laughs> I can tell a lot of people when when they're nervous, you know, you get a certain look in your eyes or if you're just bored, right, your eyes are wandering and maybe for, for you, you're, you're distracted and so your eyes are just all over the place. I can also tell when you're really engaged because you're, you're looking at that person that you're talking to. And I... I mean, this isn't just me saying this. There's actually been like a lot of studies done. You can Google it later, but like making eye contact with someone, it, it shows that you are more trustworthy, that you are more likely to be honest and sincere. You know, you watch the TV shows and the person that's lying is always the one that can never ma- maintain eye contact, right? Now it's just the TV shows, but I think in, a, in real life that's often true as well. Um, even just that you're more warm and personable, right? It's easier to talk to someone who can maintain eye contact. It can be hard, and, and honestly, I, it can take some practice. You know, it, I have to sometimes think about, like, maintain eye contact, right? Especially if you're tired at the end of the day. It's been a long weekend, etc. I think that these are, are small ways, you know, a, a simple smile, a nod of the head, maintaining eye contact, that we can sacrifice even our own comfort in very small ways for the sake of others and so, showing that we care. The last one that I'm going to talk about here as far as practicals is tone of voice. Again, something small, something you probably don't think about a whole lot, but I want to bring attention to it because we communicate a lot through our tone of voice. Just moving your voice up and down a little bit can change the entire meaning of a word. Think about it this way. Um, The word hello, H-E-L-L-O. How I say that word... (laughs) communicates a lot of different things so at the beginning of the meeting I was like hello everyone thank you for coming right normal greeting or you can be like hello or you can be like hello (laughs) right I'd be like hello you can communicate you can create interest you can communicate uh, even aggression or frustration with how you say one single word and like, that's, that's one of the words, ways that like text is different than personal, interpersonal communication, right? Our tone of voice helps us communicate in a different way. Excitement, boredom, exhaustion, interest. So I think it's helpful to be aware of our, our tone of voice when we are communicating. Uh, you know, I, I think that, again, to, just because it's real world right now, Someone on the, on the elevator, if you ask them, like, hey, what do you think of the conference so far? It's like, yeah, it's okay. They're like, all right, this person's not interested. But they're like, yeah, this has been, like, really good. You know, there's a little more inflection there. You know, it's, it's the difference between, like, hey, Maddie, what's up? It's like, I, I'm asking her that, <laughs> but I don't really want to know the answer to that because my thoughts are over here. If I'm like, hey, Maddie, how are you doing today? Right, I'm I'm showing interest. <laughs> like you, you don't have it <laughs> Thanks for playing along. Yeah. Um, or hey, Maddie, how'd you get that masterclass level? No. <laughs> A cheerful voice can help people feel feel welcome to rather than burdensome. Appreciated rather than the, the cause of annoyance. And so, to listening both to to your own tone of voice, I think can be really helpful. Making others feel feel welcome again. That that host mentality. Um, but also paying attention to other people's tone of voice, too. Uh, There's oftentimes, similar to, like, the eyes or or, or just the the body language, the tone of voice can communicate, like, hey, this person's really tired, and honestly, maybe they just need to get some rest. Like, whatever they're saying, don't take it personally. Or, Mm -hmm. this person's really hurting right now, and I think they just need to to talk. Mm -hmm. Or, something really good happened, and I think they want to talk more about it. I should ask some more questions. You can learn a lot through tone of voice. What we're going to do, we have just a couple minutes left here. We're going to shift for just like like two minutes from lecture to lab. All right? So you guys are here probably because you don't like small talk. We're going to do a little bit of small talk Yes. for just a couple minutes, and then our time will be up. But just turn to the person next to you and apply some of what we learned here today. If you don't know where to start, just use the form ask them about their family, occupation, and I'll wrap this up here in just a minute. Let's bring it back just for a couple minutes. See, that wasn't so hard, right? Yeah. Small questions over time can make a big impact. And I don't mean that just for, for selfish gain, even though it can have very real implications as far as you know future job offers, that sort of thing. It can have a huge impact for the kingdom as well, of building trust with people. Uh, I often... Think of the the saying that people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so you can build trust with people, show them that you care, and then they will start to care about what it is that you have to share as well. We have about three or four minutes. Um, If there's any questions, we have a little time for Q&A. I didn't know if anything popped up with you guys, and then we'll wrap up here in just, just a few minutes. Any questions? In the back.
1: Oh, also, sorry. Too. We have
0: uh, we have a microphone. If you could use the microphone just for the sake of the recording, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So my question is, so what um, you talked about being the one to initiate and that reflecting Christ, uh, but sometimes it can feel like you're the only one initiating. <laughs> um, so how would you respond to that, like the wish to have more people initiate with you? Yeah. So the, the question is. How do you handle if you're like the only one initiating with others? Great question. Um, That can be tricky. I think sometimes it depends on the person. There have been times when I've been uh, just kind of honest with someone. Like if I've been reaching out to them, asking questions time and time and time again, I'm like, hey, I'm just going to ask. Like it just seems like maybe you're not interested. If that's not the case, that's great. You know, I'd love to continue talking. If that is the case, I totally get it. And you can, like, let me know if you want to talk again sometime. I think sometimes even just kind of reflecting that back can be helpful. Um, Again, I wouldn't do that, like, the second time I talk to that person. But if it's, like, weeks, Mm -hmm. months, and it's, like, this person is just, like, stonewalling me or ghosting me, I think that can be helpful. I would also say on the opposite end of the spectrum, I would err on the side of patience. Mm -hmm. My wife has a story of a student that she was ministering to and, and she was kind of that classic case of what you hope not to get on the other end of the conversation that Maddie was talking about, one-word answers. But my, my wife kept meeting with her for, for a long time, and it was, it was interesting because after the first two conversations, my wife was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is like pulling teeth. You know, I was like every question, there's just like no response. And yet at the end of like their second meeting, this student was like, hey, can we do this again sometime? And I was like, What? I thought you were totally disengaged, but she just felt really cared for by someone asking questions, and it was an opportunity for her to even start to communicate about deeper things that she had never really even thought about before. So those are kind of like two maybe ends of the spectrum. Uh, I would say that maybe a a practical or a principle, if you will, that I often think of is to both be patient and persistent.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's kind of a, a, a narrow line to walk, but I have found that being persistent enough to, you know, so the theme of this weekend, relentless grace, right? Like the Lord just keeps pursuing. He's very persistent. And yet he's patient in, in the sense that he, he's not knocking down the door. Uh, he, he's not a, aggressive or, or, or rude. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's patience there too. Um, but I also think there's freedom to say at the end of the day, like, I think my time would be better invested somewhere else. And there's, that's OK. So hopefully that helps. Um, there was another question. Oh, Nia, I you... have a
1: question. Um, how do you bring conversation to non-Christian friends and talk about faith with them and you know, have
0: those conversations, those deep questions? How do you go from small talk to that, to yeah. the big questions? Yeah. Let's go in and take a stab at that.
1: Yeah. Well, we could have a whole breakout on that alone. Um, But I think a big thing is just following where the conversation is going so and just asking. Like, hey, you know, I really care about about Jesus. Like, is it okay if I share with you about Jesus? Um, Or, you know, even I've had conversations with people at Starbucks where they've had big life situations happen. And it's been great to just be like, hey, can I share with you about the hope of Jesus? Um, Or, you know, I've had friends who've died, family members who've died. And it's like, hey, you know, like those are opportunities to point to the gospel in those conversations. So I feel like asking them for, if you're not sure, asking them about it or looking for ways to connect to Jesus in the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Like, hey, do you like that Marvel movie? You know what? There's lots of gospel themes in Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done that with friends. But yeah, there's, there's actually a breakout um, Tori just did on evangelism. Mm-hmm. That would be a great resource after Fall Conference to listen to about that.
0: Yeah. Also, just a reminder, all of the other breakout sessions are being recorded, so that will probably answer some of your questions as well. We are unfortunately out of time, it's a great question, and I think that maybe the, the other breakout session can help you think through that too. I will also say that if you have a question and you're like burning to ask it, Maddie and I'll hang out here for a little bit. I do know that some schools have campus photos at five and there's dinner that starts at five, so um, take the next 10 minutes or so and figure out where you gotta be. But thank you guys so much for joining us, and hopefully this was helpful.
1: Yeah, thank you guys.